Welcome to The Enrollment Edge, a podcast for college enrollment and marketing leaders. I'm your host, Jay Fedgie. The Enrollment Edge is sponsored by Enrollment Fuel, a trusted full-service student search and digital marketing partner to colleges and universities across the country. If you'd like to learn more about Enrollment Fuel services or you have questions about today's podcast, we've included a link to our website in the show notes. You can also email us at edge at enrollmentfuel.com. We'd love to hear what you think. You can help us by subscribing to our podcast, sharing it with your friends, and leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Today, you're hearing the second part of a conversation with Tim Fuller, founder of Fuller Higher Ed Solutions. Our two-part series is on strategic enrollment planning in the new reality of uncertainty. Please join me as we jump right back into the middle of our conversation. You've probably talked to uh, uh, folks like I have uh, recently about uh, their, their uncertainty and their, uh, their anxiety, their stress uh, for what they're seeing, what they're not seeing, what uh, doesn't look like any other year. Uh, they're normally uh, have a, a lead on applications and a lead on admits and a lead on this and that and everything. And, and all of those are things are being upended. They're, right. they're upside down. Uh, we're down by 25% in applications. We're, we're down in 35% in admits, but we're up at a couple in deposits. So what does that mean? So I'd like to hear your thoughts on how, not necessarily uh, how to fix that, because that's, those are several more podcasts that we can do. But how do how do we um, how can we encourage enrollment leaders uh, to um, back away from the edge of the cliff? Just just kind of come back into the conversation. Uh, let's let's talk. Let's let's uh, find and because they're dealing with a lot of emotional people too, uh, a lot of high tension on their campuses. There's a lot of pressure on enrollment managers, uh, admissions leaders, you know, across the country. How can what can we do to help uh, in this just this moment to uh, encourage to um, to to encourage patience and encourage determination and resilience? Uh, because there's a lot of that going around. That you know, I, I feel like like you mentioned earlier in the conversation, I feel like we're we're doing more <laughs> counseling and yeah. therapy sessions with folks just to say, you know what, um, things things are not the way they have been in the past. They don't. They don't appear to be the same, but, you know, then let's fill in the blank, but things are improving or things are turning around or uh, things will improve. Yeah. Well, again, uh, wait, let me look around and see if I have my bag of silver bullets. (laughs) I don't think so. I think TSA took them away from me the last time I was flying back from somewhere. Jay. So, uh, yeah. Oh, so a couple things come to mind for me. I, I think in the midst of some uncertainty, it's a good time to think about. All right. So what are the metrics that I really need to focus on? Right. These feel different to me. Mm-hmm. So what what are the metrics? And I would say, it would it be a couple of things for me. Uh, it, it, it's. I mean, obviously, I, I think it's a lot less about applications these days, anyways. But especially yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's admits, it's FAFSA submissions, 
It's either actual or virtual visit engagement by people who have applied and or been admitted. Um, yeah, if you have your if your Google Analytics are linked into Slate or whatever you're mm-hmm. using, such a way that you can measure. I sent out this thing and clicked on it and went seven layers deep in our website. I think it's those kinds of things. It's different ways of measuring engagement. Engagement activity, right. Engagement activity, which is going to look different. Mm-hmm. It's just going to look different. They, the questions in admitted student research, for example, to get at this student visited here five times mm-hmm. where she made a decision to enroll. I don't think we're going to see that a lot in the 2021 cycle. No. <laughs> Unless there was a drive-by visit with masks, you know, at yeah. some time. I don't think we're going to see that. So we've got to look for other ways to find engagement. Mm-hmm. And it's going to look different. And I think there's also going to be less of it. But I, my, my hope will be that part of what's happening here as, a, as, as we look at the trend data of for example, with the NACAP schools, more of them reporting fewer applications on December 1st than they had right. last year mm-hmm. uh, as a difference. I think I think some of that is because students are applying to fewer places. Mm-hmm. But we can't use right. some of the same volume metrics that we looked at before. Instead, right. we have to figure out what are some of the qualitative measures that are there. Uh, I, I think it's really important for enrollment leaders uh, as well, to avoid um, what's the great George Carlin line? Uh, there's some George Carlin lines which we probably shouldn't mention, <laughs> any of them. Uh, but this one in particular, uh, he said something like this at one point in time Some of you, and you know who you are, always look for the know that outside every silver, silver lining, there's a dark cloud. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're an enrollment person and that's your natural wiring, uh, now. It's not now is the time to suppress that uh, or to find somebody around you who can be a little more glass half full uh, to help you with that with your team, because your team needs encouragement as well, too. My my hope for enrollment leaders is that they have a peer group. Now, it's probably a virtual peer group. Yeah, right. They have a small group of folks who uh, who know what they're going through because they're going through the same thing and that they can commiserate, that they can brainstorm. And I think part of the challenge in small groups like that and for enrollment leaders with their team is, uh, is how do we turn from, uh, from whining to figuring out a solution? Mm -hmm. Uh, How do we use this back to your three different types of enrollment leaders, the duck and hide the cut like crazy and then the capitalized ones. How do we turn into people who are not just, we can name problems. Yeah. Can we find solutions and how do we challenge ourselves to not just say, well, woe is us and be the, do what my father used to call compiling statistics. of yeah. evil. How do we move from that to saying, all right, this is different. This is a great opportunity. Now, what can we do? What can we do? Yeah, what can what can we do to 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 fix this? Because uh, we can't, it, it, and and it's got to be uh, like we were talking about with some of the virtual engagement strategies too, Jay. I think some of this, what can we do now? Mm-hmm. Some of it might just be short term, and some of it might be things that has utility far beyond, uh, far beyond this current reality that we find ourselves. 
You know, Tim, I I, uh, I go back to, uh, you know, you and I have been around long enough in the same circles for far too long, decades. And in one of the things that seems to be almost a, a brand new novelty, it's like we, we've discovered, we've discovered cookies and said, wow, cookies are great. It's, it's this mentality of uh, recruiting individual students. You know, a lot of us have always done that. Right. But there are so many colleges and universities that have done it in bulk. They've, they've done the, the bulk recruitment model of we need to get them in, in bunches instead of individuals. And I think there, uh, I was, I've been in conversations, so many conversations this, this past, past fall with enrollment leaders where we're talking about uh, following up phone calls to engage students that have been you know, that have called their office or emailed them and, and responding to them. And, and it, it strikes me as uh, curious that some of these are, you know, they grab their pencil, they write it. So tell me that again, <laughs> reply to reply to what? Okay. Yeah, they they right. called your office, call them back uh, or, or they, they emailed you e- email them back or uh, they, they were on your website, you know, acknowledge them and, and send them a note. Um, I think the the people recruit people philosophy has to be embraced by enrollment leaders these days That's right. because doing it in the same way that we've always done it, kind of assuming that everything is just going to kind of continue to work as as it always has done, bring you back to blocking and tackling. Exactly right. And That's the blocking right. and tackling mentality of I am going to recruit every student like they're a VIP, like they're one of our trusty kids. I'm going to recruit all of them like they're a trusty kid, and and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make my class the old-fashioned hard way. I'm going to write notes. You know, I don't have to attend college fairs, but but doggone it, we're going to write some notes to some students and tell them some things and and, and encourage them in ways that they they need to be encouraged right now. Yeah. No, Jay, I think you're <laughs> exactly right. That blocking and tackling phrase is one that I use on campuses all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a project now where the president said to me in a quiet space, you know, I'm not sure my VP for enrollment is innovative enough for what we need. And um, I'm a middle child, so I had to find a, 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 a <laughs> non-offensive way to say this to him. So I said, well, with all due respect, knowing what I know about you and your institution and that person the reason you're in the soup you're in right now, I think I used a different word, but the reason you're in the the situation you're in right now, where enrollment has been on the decline, is you have been chasing innovation mm-hmm. like that, like that dog in the movie Up, Squirrel. You know, you've been you've been doing that, yeah. and you have forgotten how to hustle in the best sense of the word. Yeah, you got to this strong enrollment place that you have now slipped that used to say fault lines started appearing. Well, the cracks have opened. You got to this place, this exalted place, and I don't know how far to carry this metaphor here, but you know, to the top of the mountain by hustle and by what you just described, which is you know, like the old evangelist used to say, each one reach one. Mm-hmm. Sure. You got there by that, by hustle, by mm-hmm. grit, by outworking other people and by that personal approach. And now you've said, we're going to spend, you know, several hundred thousand dollars on this and it'll be a sort of a field of dreams thing and it'll just, it'll work out. Yeah. It's not working out. You don't need a VP at this moment in time 
It's not saying anything wrong with innovation, but for that institution, they don't need somebody who's innovative. They need somebody who knows how to coach blocking and tackling. Right. Um, the innovation that we, we, we talk about this all the time, the innovation of, of digital uh, intelligence sets up the next. Exactly it's, right. It doesn't hold its own. It can't hold its own. That's so, right. so understanding who's on your website and, and identifying those engagements uh, that from students that are, that are kind of, all around you that are that are active is great, but the but the real magic is what do you do with that? What do you do with the intel of these students are interested in this particular part of your your institution because they're all over that web page? Now what do you do with it? Because I've got to take that and translate that into I'm going to get to know you and build a relationship with that student, and if I can't build a relationship with that student, then all the stuff before that is just smoke and mirrors. If, if, if we're just relying on all of that smoke and mirrors to to do it for us, I think that's where a lot of enrollment managers have, have fallen short. That the planning on that is just not going to not going to bring in the class any longer. Now, maybe maybe it never did, but but right now I think relationships and building those relationships is paramount. Right, and, and I think I think sometimes Jay, one of the things that frustrates for me a little bit is. I think way too many people have read, I can't remember the name of the former dean of admission at Stanford who wrote a marvelous book about leading her team on the process of deciding, you know, which privileged four and a half percent of the applicant pool was going to be admitted. Mm. Fascinating book. Uh, I think way too many places at the kinds of campuses we work with all the time, which is most of them are not in that same place. And they, they don't have, there are places that have the brand strength that they can literally just, you know, oh, we'll turn the spigot a little bit wider this year and yeah. we'll be fine. But that's not most places. No. That's not most places. And yet I have found on a lot of campuses that people are assuming if I just buy this special, you know, this special, this thing, mm-hmm. how I'll become one of those campuses, you won't. Yeah. The last, the last presentation I made before, before the pandemic uh, shut down travel, I think I flew home on Friday the 13th of all, of all ominous yeah. days, uh, was uh, at a conference and my, my assigned topic or my chosen topic in the, of the options they gave me was um, the myth of the silver bullet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I walked through some of these things that we've been talking about to, that, you know, whether it's the tuition reset or the massive investment at the top of the funnel or I um, can't remember some of the other ones, but um, and, and basically tried to say, so there's some truth to these things, but this is why this doesn't work. And when I was coming back to the point you were making about there is still a place for effective blocking and tackling. Now, let's agree blocking and tackling looks a whole lot different than it did when I became an admission counselor in 1980, or you became an admission counselor. And when you did, it looks a whole lot different. It does. And you're right that all of that data and systems and digital strategy running underneath the surface Mm -hmm. surfaces to allow me to say the right things to the right people at the right right time in ways we were just guessing at. Yeah. (laughs) back in 1980 so it all sets it up and and yeah. but but it doesn't stand on its own um I, I don't think that we have 
the opportunities, the predictive opportunities to be able to sit in a high school guidance office or a college fair and shake a hand with a student or a parent. Now we're, we're not even able to bump elbows. We're, we're you know, right. removed several steps away. And so how, how is it that we can capture their attention? Uh, so, you know, being sustainable in capturing that attention. I think those are useful tools in the digital space. But then what does that translate into? We have to commit to that next right. really hard work of working the, the, the student pool. And I, and I honestly believe that if I had to sit down with the group of enrollment managers and say, this is the encouragement that you have because students and families are longing for that. They're, they're, they're longing to find that connection with that community for their kids and for themselves at a college that is going to be significant in their lives. And so if there's, a, if there's one thing that's encouraging, it's if you do that well, you're doing the best possible thing I think you can to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And again, Jay, I think, I think that that's going to continue to stand out once we get past whatever getting past this pandemic looks like. Looks I like, right. Yeah. Still will have value uh, for, for a lot of campuses and including some tiny ones where I don't know that they'll ever get beyond each one reach one. I think that's still going to be at the heart of their strategy right? Uh, that way, as well as some bigger ones where it might look a little bit different later and they'll be able to go back to some more bulk type strategies. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things that we'll see, who knows, and since this is a podcast, we can, you know, we could play it back five years from now and go, Boy, those, <laughs> those guys were full of beans. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. But I, I, for example, you think about the, uh, I'm, I'm here in Indiana, where it feels like if you drive from here to Fort Wayne, about every exit on I-69, there's another college. Yeah. Uh, there's a ton of private colleges here in the state, as well as the public options and Ivy Tech and everything else. I wonder... My speculation is when we get past this to whatever that looks like, I'm guessing that the family that might have in the past loaded up the minivan and visited eight campuses might visit three or four. Mm -hmm. And they will use these virtual engagement strategies as a means of deciding which three or four they're going to visit. So we may not deal with the same volume. We might not have a preview day. That will be another thing. Are people going to want to walk into a preview day? And I think about the ones that you did there in the Great Hall with the mm-hmm. you know, three, four hundred people. Are people going to be, for at least for a while, cautious about that and say, right. yeah, we're going to visit, but we're going to do it individually? Right. So right. how do you retool teams and strategies in such a way that you can't you can't handle 400 students and the parents who came with them? Uh, all at once but yeah how do you retool for those kinds of strategies because i think that's something we've got to do so yeah you know that that brings up a good point tim and uh when you talk about um assessing the things of of value uh, i have and you have as well in, in our time in enrollment management lots of conversations about definitions what's the definition of success in, a, in an enrollment funnel is is more application successful is more admit successful, more more students in the end, making budget. Those are some successful metrics. 
And, and I think that at one point in time, uh, I came to the realization bigger events wasn't, that wasn't necessarily a better, uh, solution for me. Uh, I was at, I was at a small college, so a giant event made the school feel like a giant school. We didn't necessarily want to present that. So, so I, I, I use that as an example to say I had to, I had to convince a lot of leaders on my campus that lots of events, lots of micro events were, were better representations of my school than, than a few giant events. And I think that we're kind of moving into, into that space again. Um, better applications is better than more applications sometimes. Right. Uh, just simply bigger isn't necessarily better for, for some schools. They have to reassess and say, well, what, what is it that, that makes us successful? And maybe that is that individual, every student, every day mentality, instead of we just need to just fill the top of the funnel with gigantic numbers. Right. Yeah. And, and Jay, to me, that, that uh, as the back of the baseball card guy, uh, it always takes me back to the data, though, in two ways. One is I, I, I know what I think but I'm a 63 year old white male. And what I think might be the exact opposite of what a 17 year old is thinking right now. Right, right. So it's, it, it sends me back to the need for that regular rotation of enrollment and market research to make sure mm -hmm. that I'm informing my intuition with what the actual customer is thinking about. That would be one thing. But it also sends me to the data to say, intuitively, I agree with you about the smaller, the micro events, the individual visits and things like that. And how that will change, I don't know. But I remember at one point in my career, I was at a campus that was, um, as you know, somewhat rural. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. The definition hour, of rural. Yeah. Half an, hour, half an hour from the nearest traffic light and the Amish were moving in because they liked the pace of life. <laughs> so, anyways. We, we believe very strongly that the individual visit was the way for us yeah. to make it work. And we went into the whole open house preview day, whatever you want to call it, with fear and trembling. But we tracked our data. And what we found was there were some students who absolutely loved the individual visit. And there right. were others for whom they felt a little bit vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to be in a smaller group. Um, and, you know, the nature of our rural campus meant that those things were never huge. Mm -hmm. But it was nice for them to look around and go, boy, there's a lot of really interesting people looking at this place and parents doing the same thing. Right. Um, so, but we tracked our yield rates. And so I think that the word, the word that a couple of my Credo colleagues use a lot that I think is germane here for enrollment leaders is, it's a good time to pilot some things too. And... Uh, and see, so we think that the big event isn't going to be a big as, as big a deal, but we probably ought to continue to try that and then check the yield rates too and see. And, and is it, in fact, it, is the micro event or is the individual visit going to be the thing? And it's not going to be one thing we can agree about with 17 and 18 year olds is they don't all think the same way. Yeah. Uh, and their parents don't either. So, what works really well for one person might be the absolute wrong thing for another. So I think we're going to have to keep piloting and experimenting. And, you know, maybe instead of doing four big blowouts of events, we're going to do two and we're going to sync those resources, staff and budget 
into a bunch more uh, micro events and individual experiences that make more sense that way. And I, and I, and I, I'm going to come back to uh, something you said earlier that I think that is, is absolutely essential that I, I think has changed and shifted the, uh, the industry standard. And that is, um, as we talk about innovation, if there's one place that a school has to have, every school has to be good at virtual events. I think every school has to be uh, have a great virtual event because I think we we've always looked at the campus experience as being that event and that moment in time that sells the campus. But I think that there is a there's a separation now of our our, uh, our prospective student families and, and students that are going to say I'm always going to want to do it a virtual event. And so I don't know if that I think the the goalposts have moved on that. I think that we're going to need to add that to the repertoire of, in our schools to say we can you have now options you have the, the big event you have the micro event you have the individual event you have the virtual event right. and here's here are the options for virtual events and we do them really well here's that virtual tour here's the virtual visit with the faculty and the coach and, and on and on and on because i think that the this this group of uh, high school students and, and younger have been changed um, you know, I, I, we, we spent this entire weekend with family, this, uh, our kids came over and, uh, while we were here, we had stuff delivered to the house. I had, we had the presents, uh, delivered to the house. I never had to set foot anywhere. And, and you're talking to an old guy that, that doesn't try on shoes and bought shoes. You know, I mean, I, I think that, I think the, the culture, the buying culture, the experience culture has made a shift in a direction that virtual is not a compromise, virtual is going to be the accepted choice. Yeah, and I, and, and I think what I expect to see happening, Jay, I agree with you. I think though, like I was saying before, the family that might've visited eight places in person, yeah. is now going to use virtual as their means of saying, you know, this looks really good. All right, let's make sure we put that on the list to go yeah. to. I think they're going to, I think they're going to do that. I also, there is something about the choice. Um, I think it was, uh, I think it was Ted Kelly. Now there's a name from the past. I remember Ted Kelly. Yeah, he was uh, uh, now uh, gone from this earth, but he still lives on in my memory. Mm -hmm. He said at a conference one time, I heard him say this, that admission counseling is the toughest selling job in the world. Yeah. You're trying to sell a high priced, future oriented and tangible to a 17 or 18 year old making their first major decision of their life. So I think it is different from buying a pair of shoes or ordering this shirt from Land's End or something like that, because I can try it on. Well, that's what the virtual visit is mm -hmm. like. I can try it on. But if I'm actually going to be in residence there at some point. Uh, I, I have to I have to be there, so I think it's a, I think it's a both and. I agree yeah. with the virtual side of things. And Jay, you mentioned the faculty engagement too. I'm thinking about one of the things from the admitted student research that we did uh, for 13 summers at Credo, and I assume it will continue. I'm not there anymore, but assume that will continue. You know, those four. If you remember those four things about faculty, were always important. 
when we asked students to rank as your major college choice, what were the important, as you began to narrow down, then as you made your final choice, and those four things about faculty, do they know their stuff? Can they teach it? Will they be a good mentor? And then for campuses that are intentionally faith-based, mm-hmm. how will that get integrated into right, you know, right. the integration of faith and learning? How will that work as well? So to me, what that screens is whether it's for an active virtual event where I have a chance to sort of uh, do the sampler platter with faculty to say, all right, if I'm going to entrust my future to somebody, who are those somebodies? Yeah. Uh, and, and what are they like? And on those four things, not just a catalog snapshot of their credentials, but is this the kind of person who I think would be a good mentor, would be exciting and valuable to learn from and, and of course, these days when learning is not just sage on the stage, oh, please tell me your wisdom while I write it down and spit mm-hmm. it back, but right. it's more engaged learning. How can a virtual engagement with a faculty member help me measure that, yeah, this is the kind of person I want to be involved in? So my wish would be that more campuses keep saying this, and someday somebody's going to actually figure this out. But web profile, back to the web for a minute whether it's the virtual visit event or the more static engagement that I could find on the website, the web profile of a faculty member has to answer those four questions. Right. Yeah. And, and, and do so in an active way. I mean, my wish would be that more faculty profiles were, were uh, robust and warm and got at the issue of, uh, you know, the chops to teach, uh, but then also had a video clip of two or three of their students talking about what a great teacher, facilitator of learning, what a great mentor this person was. Relatability. Yeah, relatability. Yeah, absolutely. Had a, had a snippet of that person uh, facilitating a class. Yeah. Uh, or speaking, looking at the camera and speaking to them about, um, you know, I, I, uh, I wrote a white paper when I was at Credo that's still on their website called the faculty factor in recruitment that gets at some of these things too, uh, of what is it, if you're going to mobilize faculty to be helpful, what do you want to mobilize them to do? Yeah. And, and that white paper gets at that. Anyways, I think there's, we're back to the idea of if I'm shifting resources in the middle of all of this and creating virtual engagement, boy, is it critical to create some virtual engagement right. with faculty. Well, I think that that goes back to, you know, uh, something that we talked about early on, and, and I'm, I'm running out of time here, but um, the idea that in, in, in many cases, the enrollment leaders that we're talking to now are overwhelmed with the big, the big data, the big picture, uh, the, the overwhelming uh, factors, the elements that create uncertainty and planning. And yet there, there are so many things that are in their control that they can do to represent the school, to, to recruit students, to uh, create relationships, to focus in on student needs and, and faculty and highlight, highlight the great things that are happening with their school, to give their school the best chance to uh, enroll the class that they're wanting to enroll, that, to, to meet the needs of, the, uh, of, that, uh, of their enrollment, their budget needs. You know, it's, it goes back to those, those three categories you know, we just continue to try to encourage those enrollment leaders, find those places that you can be 
the entrepreneur, that you can be the, 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 the person that leans into those conversations on your campus to double down, to reinvest, uh, not to cut and, and, and just redistribute the money to survive, but what can you do right now to thrive? What are the ways that, that this can, can continue to grow and you can continue to be successful because there are places that they can. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to that point, Jay, one of the most important things that I would be doing if I was an enrollment leader on a campus right now is I would not only be building bridges to my strategic partners on campus, I'd be walking across those bridges virtually, if that's what it has to be, uh, enthusiastically and being be seen increasingly as, well, of course, we're going to work with enrollment folks. What great partners they are. Yeah. Um, and you know, the best partnerships are not just gimme, 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 but it's here's how I want to help you. Right, right. Well, Tim, I appreciate your time. This has yeah. been great. This has been fantastic. Uh, uh, the, the wisdom you have, the, the insights, uh, the, the, the places that the people that you've been talking to are, are just so valuable. And, uh, and I know uh, our, our listeners will appreciate uh, your, uh, your words. I appreciate your time, Tim. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. You've been listening to The Enrollment Edge. Please join me again when we'll dive into yet another hot topic for college enrollment and marketing leaders. Our next podcast, we'll be talking to David Horsogner, international author, speaker, and consultant on the areas of trust and leadership. You won't want to miss our conversation on building trust in higher education. You've been listening to the Enrollment Edge podcast. The Enrollment Edge is sponsored by Enrollment Fuel a full-service student search and marketing partner for colleges and universities. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating for your review.